The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We are back. It's all eyes on Cleveland, and I am your host, Brad Ward. Totally jacked to bring you a brand new show here tonight, uh, as we have very, very special guest, the one and only Nathan Zagura of Browns Daily here on the show, spent 38 minutes as we talked about everything going on with the Browns, got down to the nitty gritty, hope you enjoy that interview, in fact I know you will enjoy that interview, uh, and uh, later on tonight, uh, after the interview, going to hit on just a couple quick things as we usually do, going to talk a little bit about uh, these uh, COVID-19 testing and the problem there uh, with the actual test itself, I learned uh, this week. Many of you may have been privy to this information before, uh, but we'll talk about that. Florida's uh, plans uh, to get 15000 into a stadium and why that can't be done uh, everywhere. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're going to do takeaways from building the Browns. Uh, good, some good, good takeaways there some funny stuff some good stuff as usual you are listening to all eyes on cleveland nobody does it better And there it is. Yes, sir. We are back in full effect. Mikey on the ones and twos. Working with some new equipment here this evening. Upgrading the uh, studio. Uh, We've got some uh, sound uh, stuff coming in on the walls. Uh, dealing with some new uh, recording equipment here tonight, so uh, upgrading for you so uh, we can provide you with a better show out there as we just keep on getting good guest after good guest. It is All Eyes on Cleveland where we interview the most intriguing and interesting uh, sports figures at the forefront of the Cleveland sports landscape. And uh, just for you, so you can uh, hear those interviews. And tonight, it's a very special one. It's Nathan Zagura from Browns Daily. Uh, I am a huge fan of Nathan's uh, and the show. 
and uh, you know they are they do a great job. Uh, him and Bo Bishop, uh, but Nathan especially uh, energy, energy, energy all the time. He makes uh, being a Browns fan fun. Uh, hilarious guy, great personality, good stuff. You'll love the interview. Uh, glad that we could get him on. You can listen to all of all eyes on Cleveland's episodes at uh well where all popular podcasts are found so if you listen to a podcast uh and you want to find all eyes on cleveland you just go to the same place because it'll be there for sure itunes speaker soundcloud spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, the tune in app radio.com and google play will be published uh tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's TheBrownsWire.com, where I write. I've got an article coming out in a couple days. I hope you enjoy that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've got, we've got a good show here tonight, and I will announce that later in the week, we're gonna have, uh, Mike Chico Borman on the show. Mike Chico Borman will join us, uh, and he is fantastic as well. I love Chico. He's going to come on the show uh, for the second show of the week here uh, to follow up this first one here today. So, nothing but good stuff from All Eyes on Cleveland for you, uh, the listener, uh, this week. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, and That's right. Uh, Mikey, uh, get that uh, interview ready. Uh, Nathan Zagura uh, is a, a senior broadcaster uh, for the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, um, and uh, sideline reporter, uh, does the two-minute drills on uh, YouTube. Uh, he's everywhere, um, including his uh, daily show on Browns, uh, or that is called Browns Daily on 850KNR. You can also find it on YouTube and also where podcasts are found. Uh, but, yeah, so we're going to get right to that interview. We're going to come back after it. We're going to talk about some stuff going on in the NFL. I've got some thoughts. I'm going to take, do takeaways from uh, uh, building the Browns, uh, some takeaways from that, some funny stuff there, uh, a quote that I love. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about if you've seen it. And uh, some just checking in on uh, everything going down in the NFL, like we always do about this time. I'm Brad Ward, your host. Uh, here is my interview uh, that took uh, place uh, just a couple hours ago here uh, with the uh, one and only Nathan Zagura from Cleveland Rounds Daily. Hope you enjoy, uh, and we'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. And I am absolutely gleeful today to bring on to the show a very special guest, the one and only Nathan Zagura, onto our program, All Eyes on Cleveland. Nathan Zagura is a senior Big B, huge B broadcaster for the Browns. He uh, is on uh, Browns Daily, uh, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on WKNR 850, as well as uh, YouTube, where you can uh, stream the show. Um, and uh, I know you can probably listen to it, uh, the show back at uh, many of places where your favorite podcasts are found. Is that right, Nathan? That is right, and I'm gleeful now after that introduction. What an intro. Absolutely. i, I got to tell you straight off the top here, Nathan, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the show. Um, and, uh, I, you know, uh, have been for a long time and what you do, so 
Uh, you know, this is uh, exciting for me to get a chance to talk to you here on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, our podcast here. Um, so, so thank you, first and foremost, for making the time for us. Um, and then uh, I was going to tell you a couple things here right off the top. So I listen to your show, and I, I usually, because of work and other things, and I usually listen at night, right? Okay. So I, I, there are the only downfall to that is, you know, I'll get mad at something uh, Bo Bishop says, right? And I have to, <laughs> I, and I can't comment. I can't, I can't tweet him because you know he's probably laying in bed. He said it's twenty, like you know, twelve hours ago. He's gonna be like, "What the heck is this?" Right? So, yes. You can't re- react in in time. Reaction is not there for me, which is a, a downfall listening at night. But uh, uh, I do listen every night, and uh, I well, will we tell you. Yeah, I will tell you that my favorite thing uh, that you do, Nathan, that makes me laugh um, is uh, you're very uh, well-cultured, sir, and uh, very quick-witted, and oftentimes, if you're not, you know, listening closely or have speed up on your uh, stuff and movies and songs and things like that, you will easily miss one of uh, uh, Nathan Vigura's quick-witted uh, comments and my favorite, um, and I don't know if it went over a lot of people's head, but my favorite of all time was last year, and I was laughing uh, at tears in my eyes. I was like, uh, I, I was listening to you talk about uh, we're all fired up about John Dorsey and everything that he had done last year, the full Doris, right? Yeah. And uh, what a time to it, be alive! What a time to be alive! And, and you said, you said it's the horse sense. Of the guy that gets you. That's right. What about <laughs> Bob? Or what about Bob? And yeah. uh, I certainly enjoyed that one. Uh, <laughs> laughing, laughing uh, uncontrollably at that one. So one of my favorite movies of all time. Is Definitely about Bob. Bill Murray, classic. Classic for sure. So enough of that shenanigans. But I wanted to tell you that uh, off the top here. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, this is the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. Nathan, we've had, you know, uh, Ken Carmen on uh, last week and uh, a bunch of the guys have been on that you work with all the time. And uh, um, so I'm glad to have you on here. And uh, we're having uh, Mike Chico Borman on later this week. So this is a big week here for us, but I'm glad to have you. Um, the NFL has allowed uh, the team facilities to open up today for limited team activities, very limited if you look at it closely. No coach-player interactions are permitted. Um, but players that are rehabbing are allowed in the building, I believe, and it's yeah. a max of 75. Now, the Browns kind of put out a little report that, hey, we're just going to continue to work our remote program. Uh, for the next few days, uh, why is that? Do you think uh, is that uh, if your coach is even allowed in the building? And then two-part question. I'll, I'll let you answer that first. Well, as I understand it right now, you know, with the new rules coming out, that I guess some people are allowed to be in the building. I think the Browns want to a ensure that when people get back in the building, that every possible safety protocol is in place. Um, and so there have been, at least to my knowledge thus far with me, at the senior level, of course, they're mapping all of this stuff out. But as far as, you know, at my level, they've just told us that they're working on the plan and it will be kind of a, uh, you know, a very slow 
phase back in, but their number one priority is the safety of anybody who comes into the building or be working in the building. So I think they want to make sure, and obviously with the Browns, we're very fortunate to be partnered uh, with UH, and so I think yeah. everything's being done in conjunction with them to ensure that when the building comes back, and I think what's going to happen is it'll come in waves, you know, a small group of people, then a little bit more, then a little bit more uh, as it goes and, and things normalize. But I think right now their their number one goal, obviously, is safety first. And, you know, to be honest, it, it's been, I think, a pretty good experience to see the way this organization has rallied under these circumstances, everybody working from home, working remotely, and still, you know, we've been able to carry on about our business and, and be productive, and that's on both you know, the business side but also in the football side. And a lot of players I've talked to, honestly, well, they love – what they miss, number one, is being around the guys, you know, the the, the locker room, the collegiality yeah, of it all, the camaraderie. But that they have found that it's really allowed them because you know how it is right now. Every day seems to blend into the next, and, you know, we're yeah. all in, in our kind of social distancing or home environments. And so I think for the players, those meetings give them a break from that. And so they've found – I've talked to a couple of energy, like I'm so much more locked into my playbook in these meetings than I would be if it was just normal. Not that you took it for granted, but now it's, it becomes a destination for them. So I think they felt they feel really good traction that they've gotten. Look, obviously they want to get out on the grass with these guys, but that's not something, you know, it would be happening if things were totally normal, but that's not going to be happening right now anyway. I think that's the big one to watch for. When can the coaches and the players get together out on the field and you can start going through some, you know, organized team activities? That will be, I think, the big change in all of this across the NFL. Is that an all? Is that all a? Uh, is that a moving target right now? Kind of. I would think so. I think it's going to be based on you know obviously you know what's going on in the world. You know we're seeing everything start to reopen a little bit, and I think we'll know a lot more honestly in, in two to four weeks when we see okay so we kind of reopened and did that cause huge spikes in coronavirus? I always say on the show that you know you just look at the Bundesliga and look at the Premier League because if the Premier League can go off and that's a big one. You know, and they figure out a way to do it, even if it's without fans for now, that gives me a lot of hope for the NFL. And I feel pretty confident the NFL will be playing games this year. I don't know if fans will be present, what they're going to look like per se, but uh, I do think that they will They will find a way. There are a lot of smart people working on it, and hopefully we keep getting good news about, you know, potential vaccines and things like that, that, you know, science is going to have to save us in this, and so hopefully we get there sooner rather than later so that the things we enjoy and the distractions in life that we all enjoy, like sports and football and the Cleveland Browns are able to resume their normal activities and retake their, you know, their normal place in our lives. Well said. Um, Nathan, uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland uh, with special guest Nathan Zagura of Browns Daily and uh, uh, the Browns. Um, uh, he is a uh, senior big B broadcaster for Cleveland <laughs> Browns. Uh, what about Jarvis and like Odell Beckham Jr. who are rehabbing? Technically, they would be allowed in the building, is my understanding. Uh, is this something that they that you think that they're there or expect them to be there, or is this something they're doing on their own still? So this just all happened today. Right. Uh, and we're talking on Tuesday, and, and you know that's, this all just started today. So nobody's been there yet, and those guys <laughs> I know are in there, are in Florida. So yeah. I would imagine when they feel that it is safe to come up here, they will. Uh, or if, if, you know, the Browns are comfortable with, with how they're doing their rehab there, Maybe they will stay there for the time being. I think that's going to be, as I said, this is all brand new. I think they're all working through all of that. And I imagine a lot of this stuff will be on a case-by-case basis. There's a guy who's already in Cleveland, who's spending the offseason in Cleveland anyway, 
and they have to do some rehab, I imagine it'll be much more likely that they'll be with some of the first people in the building than those like, you know, I know Jarvis is down in Florida. Um, and, and so I, I don't know exactly how that's going to play out in terms of the timing of all of that. Yeah, I kind of jumped the gun there, didn't I? Uh, That's all right. I mean, it's new information. It's new and it's exciting information, honestly. It is. It is. We know we're excited to see how this all shapes out and everything. Um, you know, I, when you think about this whole thing, Nathan, I think about it like this, and and I think about games, games without fans, and that just seems so strange and so weird, right? And um, of course, you know, I've heard you mention on the show, you know, using that that stuff as ad space and, and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, what Joe Buck said about, you know, some some crowd noise, you know, just Any enough noise, to yeah. make it, you know, <laughs> just enough to make it, uh, you know, better on TV. However, for the players and everything, it just, I, I try to think of it from all angles. Now, Florida is saying they're like, you know, they got this plan laid out. They're saying 15,000 people we can bring in. We can time up the entrances, this, that, the other. We can do all that. Uh, I mean, I don't think I, – I wouldn't want more than that. I mean, I think if they – it's very feasible that, you know, by September you could get ten to 15,000 people in a lower bowl in a stadium and that's all you would need for TV's appearances for you know enough crowd noise generated from the people there uh, to make the players feel somewhat normalized or, or have an effect on the game um, I don't know that's that's kind of where my thoughts are that's kind of like my target I guess or, or what I'm hoping for yeah again and, and it's one of those things where we're just not going to know right until we have more information about what's going on is really the way that I, that I think about it. And I think that ultimately, you know, we will have a good idea about what's going on out there in the world as in terms of what's going to be safe, what is going to be feasible and what isn't. I think for now, the thing that I'm most focused on is that there will be games, what the games look like, you know, obviously I think everybody wants fans there. That's how you get the home field advantage. The truth is though, on a game that's seen by let's say 10 million people, there are only, you know, 60, 70, 80,000, depending on the stadium that are actually there. Now it changes the presentation of it, et cetera. But football has become a wonderful television property, and it's, some people prefer to watch the game on TV even as opposed to going to the game. Now I get to have the best seat in the house doing the sidelines, and so yeah. I certainly love being there. But I think that at the end of the day, football first in terms of just let's have it, but safety is obviously number one. And I think, like you said, it is in September. I mean, it's May. We've got you know we've got a good number of months here to, to try to figure – this out and have a better idea of what's feasible, what isn't feasible, um, because the truth is you want to create an environment that is safe for the players and for the fans and for those that are in attendance because you don't want to have any outbreak. And you, you don't want anything that sets, puts a, you know, sets things back. And so I think that'll be the focus. It's going to be all about going forward. Absolutely. Well said again. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with very special guest Nathan Zagura. Nathan, I've been looking forward to talking to you about this next topic here because sure. I've kind of been wondering somewhat, and, and I kind of wanted to dig into this a little bit. But Joe Woods, new defensive coordinator, spent two years as the DC in uh, Denver, uh, coming right off their Super Bowl win, I believe, right? And then um, 
So, and then, you know, obviously last year as a defensive backs coach going to the Super Bowl with yep. uh, uh, Robert Sala and the uh, 49ers, uh, he has a number of uh, backgrounds as far as what he has run, 4-3, 3 uh, He ran like a 3-4 under both years in, uh, um, as it as is base defense in uh, Denver. Uh, the personnel fit is not right really for that here, obviously, with the linebackers not being a strong point. And uh, they're going to go 4-3 under uh, because of the personnel fit. Um, but what they ran mostly, you know, out of that base look and even out of their sub packages um, last year is that, you know, Seattle's cover three press bail, um, which, you know, several teams run across the NFL now. Sure. Um, I I wonder how much of this, of that, because that gets real schemey, right? There's a lot of rules. There's a lot yeah. of uh, uh, ins and outs and what have you there for, for the, uh, the Seattle cover three press bail. So you're asking some young guys to learn a um, – pretty, you know, uh, detailed defense as far as coverages go. Uh, do you expect a lot of that from Joe Woods? I know he mentioned that he wanted to incorporate a little bit of it. Yeah, when I talked to Joe Woods, you know, what he said is we want to be multiple, right? And so I think you're – look, the personnel is up for a four-man front. I think our, our base defense is ultimately going to be a, a nickel, you know, with Kevin Johnson out there in the slot, two linebackers probably – some combination of Mac Wilson, you know, B.J. Goodson, Taki Taki, Jacob Phillips, uh, but with Mac and, and Goodson likely probably the first two guys that are out there. Um, and I think that's going to be your base defense. Are you going to play a lot of cover three? Yes. Uh, are we going to play quarters? Absolutely. Are we going to play Yeah, we're going to play some man and let our defensive front get after the quarterback. And that's what he said. You know, when you look at this team, you've got a lot of versatility, especially at the safety position with Grant Delpit, with Carl Joseph, with even Sendejo coming in. All, you know, they can both play free or strong. Uh, both Delpit and Sandejo can come in and cover the nickel. Joseph can even cover tight ends for you. And so what he told me was the one thing that defenses have left is, is disguise. And when you have that kind of versatility, that helps you. But I do think this is a team that is going to be, if, if you're racing it out, are they going to be slightly more zone than man? Probably. But we've got in Denzel, that's what he said to me, we've got great man corners. Denzel yeah. and Greedy and Kevin Johnson are all excellent man corners. And so you're going to play – to your strengths, and when you can you know, get after the quarterback and, and play man, that's very, very helpful. And he said uh, they did that you know, when he was in Denver at times because they had Chris Harris and Akeem Tlaib um, and Bradley Roby, and so he said sometimes we were able to just lock people down. So there's going to be some of that. I think it's going to be a multiple defense, but, yeah, there will be some of those Seattle, those cover three routes. There will also be some quarters coverages I think that we'll see, and then at times we'll, we'll just try to lock people up. But the main thing is, he said, we're going to get after the quarterback. The players I've talked to did not sound like this was a very rule-heavy defense in terms of it was going to allow them to be playmakers, play fast, and play free. So that's what they've liked about it so far from their discussions with Joe Woods. Yeah, that's really good to hear, honestly, Nathan, because, you know, to me, that you know, Robert Sala played uh, Seattle's scheme basically 80% of the time, almost to his detriment. Like, here it is, come beat it, right? And eventually, Andy Reid just, you know, challenged that the, the rules or how, however he said that or or however you want to phrase that attacking the rules of that of that cover three um press bail seattle scheme 
you know, attacking the rules of that so many times that it, it you know, it beat them on that third down, right? So, you know, basically, it's like there. I've noticed that defensive coordinators that are attached to that defense are very stuck in that defense. Like here it is. Yeah, that's not. Just remember, he started his career with, you know, with Monty Kiffin down in Tampa Bay as a defensive assistant. And so he's been rooted in a lot of different things, was with Mike Tomlin when they were all both in Minnesota together. So he is – and he's a DB guy, and so he's going to play to the strength of his DBs. I think we will be multiple. I don't think we will be as rooted. And, and you talked about, you know, the playoff. I know you're referencing the Super Bowl where they got him on that yeah. stinger play. It, it, they knew that was coming. Joe Woods – I was talking with Joe Woods uh, about it, and he said we saw that they'd run it about six times that year we drilled it in practice and in fact before that play we knew it was coming and unfortunately the young corner I think it was Emmanuel Mosley knew he was supposed to stay deep and bit anyway just in the moment so they were prepared for it they knew it was coming on that play and that's the difference between winning and losing a Super Bowl is one person who even they knew what they were supposed to do reacted and didn't do the right thing and that was the difference between winning and losing that game obviously for the 49ers yeah it's pretty wild and I was just going to say the same thing you know the way I look at it Mason is in today's NFL, you have to be able to morph what you do on a weekly basis to win. Um, I, you know, so I just that's kind of was my concern with that. And you know, like you said, you think it's going to be a multiple look thing, and they're going to be able to play free, and that's refreshing to hear. I was concerned that we were kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to have that Robert Stall eighty percent of the time, you know. No, I would not expect people. that. Interesting. Very good. I'm glad I got to talk to you about that. There's something on my mind I've talked about on the show a couple of times. You're listening to the terrifically talented Nathan Zagura from Cleveland Browns Daily, and uh, this is the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. Uh, are you concerned with the linebacker room, Nathan? So uh, I think it's a young room. It's certainly the most unproven room uh, on the team. Could they bring in a veteran as we get closer? Possibly, but I know that there's a lot of belief internally in Mac Wilson. B.J. Goodson started 29 games in his career, so he is the most experienced guy. But you got, you know, Mac, who's played, he started 14 games for you a year ago. You've got two third-round picks in Taki Taki and Jacob Phillips. So you've made – there is an investment in there as well as the veteran B.J. Goodson. And as I said before, I do think this is a team that is predominantly going to be five DBs on the field as opposed to three linebackers. And, look, you look at in the, with the Niners last year, they had people step in and step up in that linebacker room when Quan Alexander went down. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Fred Warner stepped up, and so uh, I think that Joe Woods is comfortable that he's going to get be able to get these guys where they need to be to play. It's going to be a matter of whether or not you know they come through and they do that. And hopefully, I think for the Browns, you're, you're hoping that these guys are able to come in, step in, step up, uh, and get the job done. But that's going to be it's an interesting one. Linebackers, while they are important, I think if you were to look at the defense, the investments made along the front of the line and along the back end were significant, and I think that's where a lot of the modern game is won, is at those spots. You know, off-ball linebackers don't get compensated like top corners, top pass rushers, or even in top interior defensive linemen at times and top free safety. So I think that's where the Browns made their investments. We'll see. It's definitely a we'll see position how it plays out. But I like Mack a lot, and hopefully these guys are able to, you know, come in and do what they need to do uh, for the Browns to be able to win. Yeah, it should be interesting how that plays out. I mean, even if they could just get some of those young guys just to play a role, you know, as you said, they're going to be playing with five defensive backs on the field a lot, which is, is the NFL these days, right? So, 
Um, And then, you know, my next question along those same lines is I'm a big fan, as I know you are, of uh, Terrence Money Mitchell, uh, who played last year basically in a purely uh, backup role on the outside. Now, the addition of Kevin Johnson coming off a good year, um, you know, is probably looking at like your nickel corner. Is there a way that they would use, I mean, is he going to get a chance to get on the field in some of these looks, or is he going to be just a, a purely a backup? Is he kind of been labeled as, hey, this guy can play outside and that's it? I'd like to see him get a chance, you know, to get on the field. I feel like he's a talented guy that's standing on the sidelines. Um, you know, I feel like he could help I, lo- I love Money Mitch. Love Money yeah. Mitch as a guy. Love him as a player. I feel like the ball just kind of finds him. You know, he gets on the field a little bit against the Steelers last year, gets an interception right away. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Money Mitch's. I think, obviously, right now you've got Denzel, you've got Greedy, you've got a former first-rounder in Kevin Johnson. I think Money Mitch is kind of that perfect fourth corner for you. And, look, okay. the truth is in the NFL when you're that guy, you're going to get on the field. I mean, it's just go- it is going to happen. That's just kind of the nature of that position. And so I think he's considered to be a valuable guy and somebody that they like. And, you know, you look at some of the moves they've made in that secondary, cleaning, you know, some of the guys out, bringing in Kevin Johnson. But one guy who's remained is – is Money Mitch and a great personality, great guy, and and I agree with you. I think a very good player. Maybe doesn't have the best straight line speed, but certainly good cover guy, good instincts. And like I said, he has a nose for the ball. He can he can get interceptions, and also very good at kind of punching that ball out, getting those forced fumble turnovers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Brings a little edge to that defense, a little identity too. Um, I think uh, so. Uh, run these past you real quick here, Nathan. Uh, power rankings around the league right now. NFL.com has the Browns at 20, CBS 22, ESPN 22, SI.com 20, uh, Bleacher Point 17, USA Today 24. You see the theme here. Uh, is this a blatant overcorrection? Because I see a much better team than that. Yeah, and you know what? It's great because obviously last year with all the hype, it didn't work out. Let everybody kind of doubt us. Let us fly under the radar. And as Kevin Stefanski said, it, look, it's not about talking. It's about work. And so for the Browns, I think it's perfect. Yes, there's no quite Look, this is on paper, this is a top, I would say, at worst eight offense uh, on paper, probably better than that. And I think the defense is, isn't bad either. Yeah, there are question marks for linebackers, some unproven players there. But, this, of course, this team is a top half of the league roster. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now, they've got to go out and they've got to do it, and I like it. Let there be disrespect. Let them fly under the radar. And, let, you know, what needs to happen is on the field, performance dictating, you know, you ascending those power rankings. The only way you do that is by executing and by winning. And so for the Browns, that's what they should have to do. They should have to win. They should have to prove themselves because they were anointed last year and it didn't work out. So I'm fine with it. I do think it's, it's – of course, we all have recency bias. It's definitely an overreaction. But in this case, I think it's an overreaction that could work in our favor and be a good thing for the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the uh, polar opposite of last season. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, so when we talk about Baker Mayfield here, Mason, you hear the phrase, uh, make or break it year, which I hate. Um, I, I hate that phrase. I hate the uh, – that idea, and here's why, because considering the abhorrent circumstances he has had to to face, it, four offensive coordinators, three years, uh, all of, you know, the, the uh, underwhelming coaching from 
you know, Hugh Jackson and, and an overwhelmed Freddie Kitchens, um, you know, not having an offensive line there that he can trust. Um, coming off of your second year, I think it's way too early to say, hey, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do it this year, you know, if they don't win ten games this year, it's time to look elsewhere. I think, regardless. Barring utter disaster, you have to give him a fourth year, um, and that's just kind of how I look at it. Uh, do you agree I don't with that? It, yeah, it's not a make it or break it year in terms of of you know what you think about Baker Mayfield, other than the sense that you know, look, everything's been set up for him. There are no more excuses. The line has been dealt with. He's got great receivers. He's got two excellent tight ends. He's got the best running back uh, combination behind him. He has an offense that is tailor-made for his skill set. So for Baker, I don't think it's necessarily about wins and losses. I don't think it's about that. It's about does it look right? And does Baker Mayfield look like the quarterback that we saw over those final eight games, confident, uh, decisive, comfortable in the pocket? Does he look comfortable? And I think we're going to get the best of Baker Mayfield. He'll be the first to tell you. He wasn't as prepared as he should be last year. Uh, Things did not go the way they wanted to. He, He was not pleased with his level of play. And it wasn't, you know, at the level that we wanted it to be. But I thought he progressed as the year went on. And I expect us to get whatever the best of Baker Mayfield is, I really believe we're going to get it this year, and I think we're going to be pretty pleased with what it is. Um, it's not necessarily a make-it-or-break-it year, but every, you couldn't ask to be in a better situation than Baker Mayfield is, and I think the great ones capitalize on that kind of a situation. Well said. Yeah, I mean, I think this offense just plays to the strength so well. You know, they're going to move the pocket. They're yep. going to get him in play action, and, and that stuff is just right up his alley. Uh, and. And, uh, you know, at least all Kirk Cousins was able to do. So um, I hope that that uh, uh, rings true there, uh, as you said. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Just a couple minutes left here with Nathan Zagura. Blessing us with his time. Uh, Big (laughs) B, uh, broadcaster from the Browns. And uh, make sure you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily every day, 1 to 3, Mondays through Friday with uh, Nathan and Bo Bishop. Uh, it's, a, it's a can't miss. It's a terrific show if you don't already listen, which you probably do, um, if you're listening to this, to be honest. Uh, so uh, it, where we are at with uh, Miles Garrett extension, uh, you know, we've heard, we heard the numbers drop $25 million per year. He's probably going to go over Khalil Mack. Um, and guaranteed money or contract and looking for this big deal. Uh, have you heard any more on that? You know, uh, are they looking, are they serious about getting that done this year, you think, Nathan? And how many years do you think that deal would be look, looking at? I think, look, you, when you have a player like Miles Garrett, you want to keep him here long term, and it always makes sense to, to make those kind of deals with somebody that you are 100% confident in you know, before they even get to that final year of their contract or get to that fifth-year option. So uh, do I think the Browns are working on it? Yes, no clue what the framework would be. Uh, I know that Andrew Barry they and everybody in the building values Miles Garrett. Everybody's excited to see him back on the field uh, to put what happened last year behind him and have a great year. And I think everybody wants him to be a member of this organization for a long, long time. So, of course, you know, retaining your, your great players, that's key. There's a reason that the Browns, have a lot of room in, in the cap. It's because they know that they're going to have to pay some people coming up here soon, and one of those people uh, is going to be Miles Garrett, who I think this year, by the end of this year, barring an injury, we're going to look at as you know, perhaps the premier pass rusher in the NFL. Yeah. 
very true, and you pay him what he needs, right, at this point, I think. Um, it's uh, earned, and, and you see him being there for a long time. Now, at the same time, and, and uh, we'll finish up with this one, Nathan, here, and uh, it, I saved a, the best or tough one for last year for you, uh, or tough topic for Browns fans. Uh, Andrew Barry uh, also commented on his intentions to keep Odell Beckham Jr. around long term yep. as part of their future. Do you think this is said is just a way to quiet the trade talk noise, which is incessant, uh, or do you think that uh, he actually means that? I think he actually means that. I think there are, you know, obviously it's just with Odell, it's, it's nonstop rumor and speculation. And, you know, the Browns have been 100% consistent in what they've said about him. Uh, I think everybody wants to see what Odell can do healthy in this offense. And, you know, he's got an opportunity. It's been three years for Odell since he's had one of those dominant years, one of those years where he's been able to stay healthy and thrive. And I think everybody is hopeful that he can do both of those things, be healthy and thrive in a Cleveland Browns uniform. And so they want to see that. They want to see that opportunity. Um, and I think you will get it this year. And, and Odell, I think the future for Odell will depend a lot on Odell, how he performs, um, how he's able, if he's able to stay healthy. And, and I think the Browns in an ideal situation would want to keep him here for a long time and let this offense grow together and gel and become, you know, a well-oiled machine where you have that quarterback who has that receiver that, you know, he grows with and works together with for a long period of time. So, yeah, that is certainly the hope. It is not just lip service. Uh, I know Odell's thought of very highly in our building, and, and now is, you know, hopefully his opportunity to prove that he's, you know, worthy of being here long term. And I think that, as I said, with Baker, I think we're going to get the best of Odell this year, and I think Browns fans are going to be very pleased uh, with what they see on offense. I mean, I just – how are you going to stop our offense? you got Chubb, who's one of the better outside zone runners in the league. You've got a line now – with Conklin and Wills, it should be excellent up front. You've got Odell oh, and Jarvis. You've got Austin Hooper and David, and not to mention they were able to snag Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. So you've got multiple tight end sets. It's got, it's got all the makings of being uh, a sensational offense. I mean, you compare our skill position groups with some of the others running a similar style scheme, and you say, man, ours are a heck of a lot better, and those other teams were putting up a lot of points and were incredibly efficient. Uh, and their ability to score the football, move the football up and down the field, and protect the football. So this should be a very exciting season. But, yeah, there's no doubt the Browns want Odell here. They want him here for a long time. They, they gave up a lot to get him. They're paying him a lot of money, and I think they want to see that return, and, and they absolutely want to see it here in Cleveland. So here's where I get, and you're absolutely right about the offense. And you know what? Stefanski has been nothing but impressive. I mean, talk about the adult in the room that was needed. Um, certainly, he has been fantastic uh, on all accounts, and, and, you know, uh, winning all of his interviews in, in press conferences, or not really press conferences, but conference calls, Zoom calls, whatever they are, right? Um, because so, so if Odell goes out and has a monster year, right, Nathan, just an absolutely huge year, I would think he's going to want a new contract, Okay. And then if he has a poor year, I don't know if they want to keep him around at that price. So he's in a tricky spot there. Part of uh, analytics view on things, or uh, I guess I think that at least for me, the way that uh, maybe a Paul D. Podesta looks at this roster 
um, would I think salary allocation is probably something that they take into account. A big deal. And you're of playing course. two wide receivers, twenty-eight million dollars right now. Now, if the, one of those guys wants more, uh, and you're looking to pay all your young guys, it get you know it gets tricky. It, it could get tricky if he has a great season, and it'll get even more tricky if he has a poor season. At least in my opinion. As far as paying I think, that amount of money on the outside. No, now, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I think that the, the key is just let's get through this season, have it be a productive season. And when you have too many productive players, you know, and you have to figure out which ones to pay, that's a good problem to have. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's where you would rather be. Now, there are, you, know, you look at his, the guaranteed money in his contract is out after this season. So there's a, there is flexibility there from the Brown side of things. But I, I think the hope is that Odell plays well and that he's here for a long time. If not, you know, then you have to deal with, or if he plays too well and, and wants too much money, then you have to deal with that, and you can look into the draft or you look and, you know, figure out ways to, to try to deal with that. But for now, Odell Beckham is here. The plan is for Odell Beckham to be here for, for a long time, and I think the hope for everybody is that we have a tremendous season here and we have to deal with the problems of success, which every organization who has success has to deal with, and it's something that we haven't had to deal with, unfortunately, uh, for a very long time with the Browns. <laughs> well, well said, Nathan. Uh, and, uh, you know, the thing with me, last comment on that, the thing with me is, like, I just love Jarvis, right? Heart and soul of the team. Of course. Just a real football player. Like, when it comes down to it, I want Jarvis to be a part of this long-term priority on the outside um, just because I feel like he's a part of it from day one or this turnaround, you know? So, yeah, I love Jarvis. He is our soul, and I think, and they love being together. So I think that yeah. there is also something about that. And like I said, let's let's just go out, let's have a great year, and then let's start talking about the kind of problems of keeping, you know, a, such a, a winning franchise together. Because that would be those would be discussions I would be, be very eager to have. How do we keep this juggernaut together? That's not something that hasn't been a topic yet on Browns Daily. Then it's one that I would love to be. <laughs> I'm not pressing you on it. <laughs> Nathan, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. You got it, man. Appreciate it. I think – let me run this past you real quick. I think you met my brother, maybe. You might remember this. You might not. On a ferry on the way back from Kelly's Island, Uh, my brother (laughs) coaches football. This past summer? Yes, this past summer. We were there. Yeah. uh, My brother coaches football at Ohio Wesleyan. And I believe he recognized you on the ferry and came over. He was with his wife, and he said he talked to you and, and, and uh, your wife for about 15 minutes or so. Nice. Uh, but he, yeah, he yeah, didn't, He didn't know if you would remember that or not. But, yeah. I do <laughs> remember my brother, that. Yeah. Small world. I thought I'd bring it up. It uh, is. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, you're a joy to listen to. You, uh, you know, you make uh, being a Browns fan more fun, honestly. Appreciate and, it. Uh, I appreciate your time today. You, uh, here on All Eyes on Cleveland. So thank you so much, Nathan, uh, for, for your time. You uh, got any it. Part, any parting words for us? No, thanks for having me on. And I really think, you know, look, this has been this has been tough, and last year was probably the toughest of all. And I've been through, you know, 16, et cetera. But last year we had so much hype, so much promise, and, and it just fizzled out. I think that, you know, the people in charge now, and you mentioned Kevin Stefanski, you know, he's prepared. He's got a process and he's got a plan, and I think that we are going to have. I, I think it's it's lining up for something to be good, something special building here. We've got a great scheme, great players, and now it's going to come down to these guys executing it. And I think that 
you know, I, I love that we're kind of being slept on and, and everything's got to be earned and that's the way that it should be. And hopefully this is the year we put it together and, and execute. But everybody who's listening, you know, stay safe out there uh, to you and your families and appreciate the support and everybody listens around daily. I appreciate that. And let's go. Come on. It's going to be a big year. Let's go. Yes. The horse sense. That's oh right. The horse sense. That's right. Indeed. That's, Indeed. that's right. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, you're the best. And uh, I had a have a, have a great show today. We'll be listening. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. You got it. Thanks. There it was, the interview with the one and only Nathan Zagura of Cleveland Browns Daily, uh, senior broadcaster for the Cleveland Browns, uh, our special guest today on All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, you can catch All Eyes on Cleveland at our website, as well as where all other popular podcasts are found. That website is www.alleyesoncleveland.com. We're back at it here. Mikey's on the ones and twos, bringing us back in. Got a couple things to talk about, and we'll get you up and out of here. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I think that a lot of you will. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, we will have uh, Michael. Michael or Mike? I think it's Mike Chico Borman on... Um, Later this week. So, big week here at uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Big thanks to Nathan Zagura. Uh, make sure you listen to the show, Cleveland Browns Daily, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on 850 KNR, or you can stream it on YouTube. Uh, so, a couple things here. Uh, the testing, COVID-19 testing. So, along with talk of... Uh, sports returning, and and me and Nathan got into it a little bit, and I'm going to get into a little bit, little bit more about the Florida plan, um, because I think it 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 makes sense a little bit. But um, one thing that I learned uh, is I spoke we spoke I spoke to a girl who has uh, just was given the COVID-19 test. So when we talk about NBA players, NFL players, MLB players, soccer players, whatever, lots of testing would have to go on for this to work, right? Um, So when you talk about the test, the test is like a flu test where they stick the... uh, the the stick uh, with the uh, up your nose, right, and and then test it. Now, uh, I guess this one 
goes deep. I mean, seriously, like she said, it felt like it poked her brain. It was extremely painful. So now we're asking these guys. These guys aren't going to like this, uh, uh, especially the baseball players, um, you know, who aren't used to physical contact and pain and things like that. But uh, the frequency of the testing is going to become a uh, not a popular thing once they realize that this get they get this thing rammed up their nose. It's extremely painful. Um, but uh, anyway, so I, I did not know that's what the testing entailed, um, and it is actually a bit of a nuisance. Um, now, the the main thing there though is. At what point do you say, okay, we're going to need so many tests uh, for, say, the NBA uh, to make this work that we're taking tests away from the public? Um, that then becomes an issue uh, that will have to be addressed. Uh, so I, I don't know if that will ever become a, you know, a point, uh, if that, uh, you know, ever teeters that far over that they need that many tests but that would be a problem where you know uh, there's a shortage of tests but yet they're testing these guys every day in and out of the stadiums uh, in and out of their hotels etc so that would become an issue I think uh, certainly um, and one to keep an eye on. So uh, the Florida uh, said that you know they plan on uh, right now have a plan in place uh, for football or for a stadium to get fifteen thousand people in the stadium. Now they won't be able to do that unless everybody can do it. But here, here's the plan: is using different entrances. Uh, each person, uh, with a ticket would have a designated time and entrance that they could enter the stadium. Uh, food and, uh, beverages can, uh, be ordered in the upper concourse. Uh, and then they have to get up and go up and get that stuff, uh, away from everybody else. So you're not, you're limiting lines. Uh, you're limiting, uh, lines for food and lines into the to the stadium and then however they uh work the seating there um to fit 15,000 I don't know but that's what they say their plan has now when we talk about football I think I think it gets overlooked a little bit for me and I mentioned it to Nathan for me no fans uh is a problem I you know obviously I would rather have football than no football but no fans uh it just it's such a big part of the game right odd for the players i would have to imagine it would feel like a practice a scrimmage there's nobody there right um you know these big monstrous primetime games are going to play in front of empty stadiums I, I just don't see it. You know, it is a T, Nathan's right. It's a TV sport. And I am one of those people that he named. I would rather watch the game in front of the TV. 
uh, minus the distractions of a rambunctious crowd. However, I want my home team to rep and, and be that rambunctious crowd. And, uh, and, and so do the players and so does everybody. Now, that's all what we want, but when you talk about a plan like Florida has here, let's, let's say not even 15,000, let's say, uh, 10,000 to 15, 10, say 10,000 people. Can you get 10,000 people in first energy, uh, using these, um, designated times and entrances to avoid uh, I'm thinking by September that the situation is better already anyways maybe this you know these precautions aren't even needed but if if needed to get fans in the building you say you get 10,000 in the lower bowl um and, you know, they use the entrances at t- different times and everybody follows those rules and, uh, and whatnot. I think that that makes all the difference in the world. So now when you're watching it home on TV, you see the lower bowl. There's people there. They're cheering. Any crowd noise that you want to pump in from your, uh, let's say loudspeakers is just supplemental to the crowd noise created by the 10,000 people there, which is totally different, right? Big play, crowd cheers, make it a little bit louder by amping it up with some crowd noise from the uh, stadium, and it's much more realistic, and the players are playing in front of someone, um, and it becomes more of exactly what we're used to. I think that's a, a realistic target that should be aimed at. And as I mentioned with Nathan as well, this is going to be a moving target because we don't know how all this is going to shake out. But I think that they have the right idea when you say, let's, let's start with how many people we can get in here because just that 10,000, I think, makes a big difference in, uh, A, for the players, the teams, uh, the excitement level in the stadium for, for the players and teams, and the TV coverage. Um, I think that would be huge. So let's hope for that. Uh, I think that they can get to a point where where that is a p- potentially a possibility. Um, and that's just something to keep your eye on and, 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 uh, kind of follow along with there as far as, uh, plans for fans. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. Uh, we had Nathan Zagura on earlier. Huge thanks to him, uh, going through, uh, some of the, uh, stuff going on around the league. Obviously, we talked about the buildings opening up today. Uh, 75 people max, uh, no coaches, just front office personnel and otherwise uh, allowed in the buildings. The Browns are not taking advantage of that yet as they continue forward with this. Uh, what they seem to be really happy with this um, offseason, uh, uh, you know, virtual plan they feel like they're learning and the guys are learning and they're and the reception for Stefanski has been 
uh, excellent from all accounts so far. Now, none of the real hard stuff and none of the stuff that really matters has begun, but it's a good start for uh, Coach. Um, make sure you uh, check out the BrownsWire.com USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, where I write uh, and Jeff Risden heads up, um, and you can uh, make sure that you get all the notifications from there, stay up on all the Browns news, all of our articles. It's fantastic content all the time, plus this show is, is published there as well. Uh, let's talk uh, rookie minicamp, which we saw a glimpse of here on um, – Building the Browns. Building the Browns uh, had the rookie minicamp, and and they kind of flashed back a couple times to guys uh, at the Combine uh, where they could actually meet in person and show that. It was interesting uh, to see some of that. Um, The uh, Harrison Bryant, tight end Harrison Bryant, the more I see him, I mean, he looks like a really talented kid. Uh, he needs to put on some weight, I think, uh, in my opinion. And then they went on to show on Building the Browns the uh, makeshift weight room that he he has uh, put together in his garage. So good on him. But um, that is uh, certainly um, one of his focus points would need to be to put on some weight for the NFL uh, to play that tight end spot. Sometimes he just looks like a wide receiver in the clips watching him. Um, and and blocking, he needs to be a willing blocker, obviously, uh, in, in, when it comes to battling for playing time in this uh, tight end room. Um, they're doing installs, we saw, virtual installs. So these guys are getting coached, instructed, uh, and so on, um, on the playing, playing, uh, uh, pardon me, uh, play calling, installing the plays, uh, on the offense and defense schematically. They're doing all, all that stuff that you would be doing, uh, if you were in, uh, voluntary minicamp. Right now, so rookie camp and then mini camp. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, emotional guy. Uh, it, I like him a lot. I really like Peoples Jones a lot. I think he has all. Well, he does. He had. He doesn't know flat out has all the traits to be a stud, um, and just didn't happen for him in Michigan with that you know shitty offense that they run up there with nobody that can throw the ball. Uh, but he. Um, uh, they mentioned on Building the Browns that he trained with Juice pre-combine and uh, that him and OBJ do share the same agent. So you have some connection uh, there. Uh, he should be welcome to the room and uh, a helping hand and leadership from Jarvis, certainly. Uh, I think he'll get along with those guys. I expect that, I mean, he should push to try to be wide receiver four uh, on this team and uh, get just get in the rotation to get on the field. He has some returning abilities, uh, but, but they did bring in JoJo Natson, who uh, we know pre-flakes a lot uh, in the return game. So there's a, that I think will be a battle uh, come, you know, getting on the field. Uh, that return position 
could be one that uh, gets battled out there. Uh, Peoples-Jones will uh, have a chance, I'm sure, to return some kicks uh, either way. And then JoJo Natson, uh, and then, you know, from last year, uh, special teams, uh, you know, specialist Kadero Hodge still remains here. Uh, so interesting there as far as that goes. Uh, love this Chad, Chad O'Shea working with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and two of the uh, undrafted free agents uh, talking to them about, uh, you know, what's going on, what they need to do, and, you know, St- Coach Stefanski's, you know, work, uh, you know, is his key word that he's going to say is we're going to work, 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 work all the time, but uh, Chad O'Shea uh, with the quote of the day, uh, speaking to those wide receivers on a Zoom meeting, uh, it, it, you know, showed on uh, Building the Browns, uh, say less, do more, shut the fuck up and work. <laughs> I love it. It's good stuff. It's fantastic. That needs to go on a t-shirt right now. T-shirt time for Chad O'Shea. Uh, say less, do more, shut the fuck up and work. I love it. That's some good shit right there. Um, and uh, finally, uh, let's take a look uh, real quickly at the uh, preseason, uh, odd preseason here. Uh, so used to years and years and years of this, I, I, I can't even remember a year that they had a day game like this. And here they get three day games. Uh, I, I don't understand uh, because, like, week two, everybody plays a primetime game except for uh, the Browns. I, I don't understand. but So they get the AFC North uh, minus the Lions. So no GLC, Great Lakes Classic, this year, uh, even though they are playing that division. So they get, uh, on August 15th, they're scheduled uh, for a 1 p.m. game at Chicago against the Bears. Uh, week two of the preseason, the 22nd, 4 p.m. start uh, at uh, Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. Uh, not so frozen this time of year um, or in August when this happens. Uh, the week later, then they'll, they'll host the Vikings at 4 p.m. So our home game is even 4 p.m. And then week four, finally, a uh, 7.30 p.m. start against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you probably won't see Brady or any of those guys in that week four uh, game. Uh, I don't even know how many of these preseason games they'll actually play. It all depends when they actually get into camp. We could see this shortened to two uh, and otherwise. But... Uh, the guy that is the man for the NFLPA and all this now, J.C. Treader, is now the president uh, of the NFLPA uh, and will be uh, working uh, in the negotiations as far as everything goes, uh, representing uh, the, the league as the president, uh, the Brown Center, uh, JC Treader. So good on him as he takes a leadership role there in the NFL and, uh, the top man there, uh, as they, uh, move on and, uh, look to, uh, if any negotiations come up as far as 
games uh, changing this, that, the other. Um, those preseason games will be the first to go. Uh, if you had to really, really do it, you just put the Ictionary on all those. That right there gives you four weeks of of uh, training camp. Uh, say, hypothetically, you could get them on the field, uh, and then you can still start week one, same time. Uh, that's something uh, to keep uh, in the back of your mind as a, um, you know, a backup plan. You know, if they are limited on weeks, cut those games, um, get them, keep them in camp, let them get everything they need to get done to start off week one uh, the right way. Um, the NFL is going to be fair and balanced about this. The problem is that different states have different rules right now. We talked about Florida's rules or their plan with the 15,000, but it's going to be a, uh, a slow go and a lot of stuff going on that, you know, as we're seeing some of these sports come back, the golf, the NASCAR, the soccer, uh, not, I, I don't pay much attention to that, but it is a good, uh, testing or, or a good litmus test to see where we stand, uh, on the entire, uh, pandemic. Um, as a whole, as far as progress and how close we are to actually getting this all done um, and getting professional sports back. If they do, you're going to see bang, 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 all this stuff. You know, if they get them going, if they get the NBA going, they still, players still want to try to get that done. Uh, you're going to have the NFL going. You got the Masters to make up. You got all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, if things were to go really well it could be a fun summer uh fun fall uh especially you know if you get playoffs there you're gonna have nfl uh, you know nba playoffs nfl football uh you know major sporting events missed uh being played uh late summer and into the fall uh which is uh you know my favorite time of the year here in uh you know northeast ohio for sure but uh, with all that as well uh, could be good times if everything breaks, uh, you know, knock on wood there, uh, on, on that. And, uh, hope everybody is staying safe, staying home, doing what you gotta do. Say less, do more, shut the fuck up and work. As, uh, as Chad O'Shea, uh, Brown's wide receiver coach would say. Uh, so that's about everything that I have this week. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed, well, not this week, because we'll be back in two days with much more, uh, as we'll have Mike Chico Borman on the show. He's the, uh, late night or the nighttime host, um, at 92.3 The Fan. Love Chico. Nathan Zagura was fantastic. Uh, everything there, uh, awesome. And, um, Mike, you get some music there you go thank you sir uh <coughs> excuse me i fell down the stairs uh broke a couple ribs last week uh is why there was no show uh so i am uh, uh on the mend here but uh the show the state of the show is doing well make sure you check it out where all popular podcasts are found go to the brownswire.com uh, sports media group usa today 
Jeff Risden. That's where I write. We'll have an article out soon. As I said already, another show on Thursday with Mike Chico Borman. Nathan Zagura was fantastic. We hashed it all out. One of the main things we wanted to talk to him about, which I've talked about frequently here, uh, is the Joe Woods defense. What are they going to run in a base? Uh, you know, we knew they were going to go 4-3 under. Talked to him a lot about, you know, the cover three, press bail, Seattle scheme, how I was a little bit worried. Uh, guys get stuck in their ways in that scheme, uh, whether you got five DBs on the field or whether you got three, two, doesn't matter. You can still run that scheme. Robert Sullivan, 80% of the time, lived and died with it. And in the end, uh, died with it uh, as um, uh, Tyreek Hill beat him on that play that we and me and Nathan talked about. As ultimately, as a coach, you just want to challenge the rules of that defense. And um, I am all about a defensive coordinator being able to morph his defense into what they need to be on a week-to-week basis to beat your opponent. Bill Belichick has done it. Lots of guys in the league do it. Uh, It's about scheming them up for that week uh, to get the win instead of kind of here we are, this is what we're going to do, try and beat us. And that's kind of what guys tend to do that get in that Seattle stuff. So maybe we may see some of it. But uh, as Nathan kind of made me feel better about it, he said he thought we'd see a lot of looks, a lot of versatility there, a lot of defensive backs that can play. Uh, The linebacking room will be interesting. Still hoping for that Nigel Bradham signing uh, to bring some more experience into that room. So uh, maybe we'll get that, maybe not. Either way. Excited uh, for this stuff to keep going, getting closer uh, to potentially uh, the getting the guys on the field. Uh, great, great job, Mikey, on the ones and twos. Thank you so much. Uh, big thanks to Nathan Zagura. He was fantastic. Listen to Cleveland Browns daily at 850 WKNR every Monday through Friday from 1 to 3. This has been another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. For Mikey, I am Brad Ward. We are out.
Oh, fuck.